I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is attorney Stephen Mitchell Sack. His, uh, he's the author of Fired, Protect Your Rights and Fight Back if You're Terminated, Laid Off, Downsized, Restructured, or Forced to Resign or Quit. Experts believe that at least 150,000 people are unjustly fired every year. The costs of their these injustices are enormous. The financial hardship imposed on workers and their families is severe. But the financial loss is only the beginning. Stephen Sack, who's referred to as the employee's lawyer, has created a first aid kit for surviving a firing. With over 41 years experience, Mr. Sack gives you the information and power you need to fight back, cut a deal, stand up for your rights, and land firmly on your feet. Complete with up-to-date sample forms, letters, and legal documents, Fired tells you in clear language what to do, what to ask for, and insist on, and how to protect your rights if you are let go or forced to resign, feel you have been unfairly or illegally fired, exploited in any way, or quit. He's a nationally renowned author and workplace attorney. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Stephen. Catherine, thank you for having me. Well, I guess we'll start with the first fact, and you, first fact, and you can respond to that. Uh, every year, more than 20 million U.S. workers get the pink slip, either laid off or fired. So if we begin with that, 20 million is a huge population. And these are the people that you have helped and are, these, this is, will have helped and are helping that is correct. Um, yeah. I've been practicing now. I'm in my 42nd year, and most of my day is spent um, reviewing separation agreements for terminated executives and employees and negotiating uh, hundreds of firings every year. I wrote Fired uh, to give back something to the American public because not everybody uh, will hire a lawyer to ask the company for more money when they've been laid off. And I wanted to give them all the information and guidance that I give my clients at a fraction of the cost. So, Stephen, what do people usually do if they don't have access to your to you or to the information or to your book? Well, now there's a book they can go refer to, fired, but they usually just walk away. I mean, with their tail Very between their so. legs. That's yeah. an excellent question. See, most companies, Catherine, will lay off people suddenly to keep them like in shock. And by doing that, it's really, uh, you know, it's very calculated. Uh, they will do that so that they expect the people to bow their head and shuffle their feet out the door. Now, if you're a female, if you're a person of color, if you're pregnant, if you're in your 60s, for example, and you're in a protected class, most likely, if you've been at the company for a while and you weren't fired for cause, in other words, punching someone out or stealing or drinking on the job, let's say it's a layoff, a downsizing, a restructuring, it's something neutral that you didn't do, contribute to. Uh, the company will offer you a severance package, which will contain a release, because they want you to sign that document, especially if you're, like I said, if you're a female, person of color, pregnant, over 60, because they know that you could go to a lawyer and allegedly, or allege a discrimination complaint, and so they want you to sign that piece of paper. When they fire you suddenly and they present it to you, they're hoping that you'll be in shock, as most of my clients are, and that you'll just sign the deal and, you know, bow your head, shuffle your feet out the door and walk away, not knowing that every firing is negotiable. And in my career, I've represented over 15,000 people 
generally with successful results, more than 80% of the time, I've gotten people more money, and I'm not saying $100,000 more. Sometimes, let's say you've been in a company for 10 years and they offered you a week per year. Well, maybe you'll ask for a month per year and you'll settle for two weeks per year, but that extra 10 weeks could be another you know, $20,000, which could keep you going financially, pay your mortgage for another couple of months, uh, and take care of your, your family during a very troubling and financially unstable time. So in your book, you talk about seven wrongful termination examples. Let's talk about some of those examples. And in specific, you know, put a face on them, examples that uh, people that we can recognize as ourselves or our family or friends or colleagues. Well, the most important um, lesson that I want our listeners to remember is, so to speak, is let's say you're fired and you're fired suddenly and through no fault of your own. You need to que- you need to question what was the reason for the firing? What did the company say to you? Oh, uh, it had nothing to do with performance. They'll say to you, um, Catherine, nothing to do with performance, but it's a layoff. Okay. But are you close to a bonus that you had earned? Or let's say you did all the legwork for a large commission deal. Let's say you're a commission, you know, you, you get commissions as a salesperson for a company, and you're fired right before the customer pays for the order or signs the, the million-dollar contract for the deal of which you were going to get 10%. Or let's say you're very close to divesting of another level of stock. A lot of people in, you know, IT people um, who work for technology companies get, get stock that could be very valuable even in this terrible um, market. Uh, and so, you know, question the timing of the firing. Um, if you're close to a vested pension or profit-sharing plan, those are situations where you can really go back in and say, look, I know that you know, you're laying me off. Uh, I'm not fighting the firing. What you would do is you would appeal to corporate decency and fair play. You'd say something like, you know, I have two kids in college. I have an expensive home in Cleveland. Um, my wife is ill. I'm 65 years old. There's no way that I'm finding gainful employment in the next couple of months. And, you know, I've been at the company for 10 years, and I made the company a lot of money, or I saved the company a lot of money, and you lay out all of your achievements and what you did for the company, and say to them, you're putting me on the road to financial ruin. Ten weeks of severance pay after taxes is nothing, and I can't afford it. And, and what about COBRA? You know, that's an easy one. You, you should ask the company to pay for your COBRA. Uh, most companies, you know, under, under federal and state law, have to provide you up to 18 months with medical insurance, but at your cost. You have to pay for it. But they know you don't have the money to pay for it. They just fired you. And maybe the premiums, which have gone up dramatically, most people spend, I know I do, over $2,000 a month for medical premiums. How could you afford to pay that if you don't have the money coming in? And that's something to ask the company, and I think you'll get it. Uh, More often than not, they'll throw in another three months, let's say, of free medical. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a lifeline that you've got to grab. And yeah. these are the kinds of things that people just don't know that they have rights and that they should ask for. To get back to your question, let's say you're a female. I do want to re- respond to that, Stephen, because I think that's important. Because sure. putting that in context, I mean, you, you, your example was 
age discrimination, which I think is one of the biggest discrimination categories there are. And now with the aging population, you're going to have all these people who are 60, 65 or over uh, who who they or the companies are going to want to terminate. Uh, It would seem to me that that would be a a big, a huge uh, issue right now. That's number one, putting that in context. But number two, also with COVID um, in terms of companies having to lay people off because they're not doing the business they did before COVID. And that does that present a whole new kind of uh, context for this? this um, I'm calling it wrongful termination. I don't know if that's the word I should use. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And you've hit the nail on the head easily. Um, anytime you're an older worker and you've been fired through no fault of your own, you have to question why did they do that. They probably did it to fire you because you're earning more money than most people, right? Because yeah. you have seniority and you've built up a much higher a base salary and other benefits. And they may be firing you just to get rid of you to uh, save money uh, for the company. But, you know, if they're doing it to many people, and they're hiring, you know, they're firing in the last 20, 20 fires, 19 people over 65, and they're replacing those people with people under 40. Well, you, your lawyer may be able to prove by statistics that you're a victim of age discrimination, and certainly you have the right to go back in and ask for more or recognize that. Uh, here's another telltale sign that you might be discriminated against on the basis of your age, if all of a sudden you hear the manager say, hey, Jim, you're not working your territory like you used to. We're looking for some younger blood around here. Or what are you, tired? Uh, you know, things like that. And that's why, Catherine, I recommend in the book as an example that if you should maintain a diary and you should uh, recollect uh, all these kinds of statements that are said to you, jot it down, you know, September 28, 2022, I was at my cubicle when when uh, Robert Jones, my supervisor, came by and made the following comments that I found to be distasteful in the presence of, and then you'll list, you know, a couple of other coworkers. And you may not be able to introduce the diary itself into evidence, but you can use that diary to refresh your recollection uh, months or years later if you're bringing a case. I mean, I personally had a case once where uh, a, a worker worked for a major company. And she was in a room with her boss and a coworker, and the boss she was gay, and it was known at the company that she was gay under New York City uh, the human rights law. Sexual orientation is a uh, protected class, and the boss stupidly said they were watching the the boss and the coworker were watching a baseball game, and my client made a comment about it, and the boss says, "Really, um, you don't like baseball? I thought all gay." Women like baseball. I mean, it was amazing. So she complained to HR, and uh, basically, when the HR person, uh, you know, inquired, she, she, we, we sued the company because this was just uh, a manifestation of many types of ways in which the company mistreated my client, uh, who brought a case for unequal pay because she was paid uh, a lower rate than a similarly situated male colleagues. We brought an action for sex discrimination, for sexual orientation discrimination. So at the deposition, the HR person says, oh, um, uh, you know, uh, did you ask the, the boss denied it. Well, did you ask the coworker? 
She said, no, because the boss denied it. She was totally protecting the company, and the company went down big, and I settled the case for many millions of dollars. But it's just an example of why these comments are very, very important and telling. Here's another one. I, I, with another lawyer, Scott Lucas, we won a $6.2 million jury verdict in the Bronx of New York. I represented three pregnant women who were all fired within six months of, of each other. And believe it or not, one of the women had said to the owner and the boss, that she was pregnant, you know what the first words out of the boss's mouth were? Are you going to keep it? <laughs> well, when I heard that, I decided I was going to sue yeah. the company. And the jury, when, he, when they heard those words, which were truthfully stated, I mean, they, they really were made, they went crazy. And they awarded my clients $1.5 million in punitive damages, which was uh, maintained on appeal. So these words have consequences. People should write them down maintain a diary, and it'll protect them later on. That, those are great examples. So write it down, write it down, right? Keep a diary of all these kinds of comments. But on the other side of it, or not, it's not on the other side of it, I think maybe it goes hand in hand with it. How tough do you have to be? You know, you're talking about women who are pregnant. Um, you're talking about the uh, the employee, the gay employee who had lots of other things that were happening to her at the same time being discriminated against. How tough do you have to be to follow through with you or any other attorney in that position? So that's a great question. It all depends on a person's temperament. You know, my father, of blessed memory, was a fighter. He was a commissioned salesperson that was continuously getting screwed out of commissions or he'd bring in a large deal and the company would say, congratulations, Bernard, we're cutting, but we're cut, it's a too large a deal. We're cutting your commission rate from 8 to 5%. And my father just couldn't take it. And he sued a couple of uh, companies when I was in high school and college and law school. He, he became, they, he had a nickname, Sue Him Sack, but he <laughs> taught me that you should stand up for your rights and fight for justice, you know. And the, the bottom line is that if you feel that you're not being uh, treated fairly, for example, you know, women have such rights these days because of the Me Too movement and these equal pay laws that we talked about. So if you feel that, you know, you've been mistreated, you have to complain, and you have to complain in writing to the HR person. Let me tell you why. Let's say you believe that you've been mistreated. Let's say uh, you're a person of color and you think that, uh, you, you're, being, you're being mistreated because you're African-American. If you don't write down in writing uh, to the HR person, um, you can't necessarily prove that you, had, you filed a complaint. And let's say you filed a complaint. It may be difficult to prove that they mistreated you on the basis of your race, but two days later, after submitting in writing a complaint, you're then fired. Well, guess what? You have another claim, a stronger claim for retaliation discrimination, which the law protects equally, and the damages are the same. So it's so important to go forward, put everything in writing, stand up for yourself, and that's the whole purpose of the book and what we're, you know, what we're talking about today. Well, retaliation discrimination, I think that's an excellent point because people are afraid generally. Well, if I do this, if I file a complaint, I'm really going to get screwed. But so the second piece of this uh, uh, retaliation discrimination, I think, is critical for us to know, right? Um, and I wanna, so, excuse me, I want to tell you something else. Yeah, Do you know ahead. that when you're pregnant, a lot of people, like you said, they're afraid, right? If they tell the boss, oh, whatever. You know, they when the company um, uh, you know fires you, 
They'll claim they didn't know you were pregnant. What are you talking about? It has nothing to do with your pregnancy. That's why I recommend that, and it's in the book as well. When you become pregnant, run down the hallway. Tell everybody, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. Right? Send an email to your boss. Send an email to whomever. Because you want the company to know that you're pregnant because the minute you are pregnant, you're in a protected class. And if I was a lawyer representing the company and I was thinking of firing the person, I would say to my client, the company, wait a minute, you now know that she's pregnant? Forget about it. Don't even think about firing her until after she gives birth and she comes back to the office. Then you can fire her. But now that she's pregnant, she's in a protected class, and you're really causing yourself a lot of harm if you decide to take offensive action against this person while she's pregnant. Can we talk about what I think that was the second part of a question I asked a little of, uh, earlier in the interview, but uh, in terms of COVID, because that is that creating a whole other can of worms? People it are is, getting but, it. Yeah. But not what you think. Okay. Um, when, when the COVID crisis came, I got, you know, dozens of calls from people who wanted me to represent them because they were being threatened with being fired because they refused to take a va- you know, be vaccinated or do whatever the company wanted them to do. So I took a first case where I represented a woman who was undergoing fertility treatments. And her doctor, in writing, said to her and prescribed the fact she should not have any foreign substances entered into her body because it was going to screw up the very painful and expensive fertility treatments that she was undergoing. And I thought that there was, that was a really valid uh, you know, claim that she could assert. You know, she needed an accommodation. Nope. Company refused to work with me on that. Eventually she was terminated. You know, I'm not God. I can help a lot of people, but <laughs> I can't guarantee, you know, results all the time. I can only guarantee my effort and my skill. And it turned out that they weren't willing to do anything for me. And so I started to tell people that were calling me, I don't think there's anything I can do for you. And it turned out I was right. So actually, companies have the right to dictate policies. Um, unless they violate federal or state law, which you know is usually on the side of making people get vaccinations, making people wear masks at at, at work, etc. I don't think people have a lot has have as many rights as they think they do, even if they can claim a religious exemption or some sort of physical accommodation they're seeking. Uh, it's usually going to go nowhere. Okay, that, uh, that being several examples, I guess, but what about just in terms of numbers? Our company now, we have to downsize because we don't have the business that we had before COVID, and so we're just going to have to let you go. So That's goodbye. true, and that's why uh, when those things happen, you have to go back in at the exit interview, or if you're presented a separation agreement and release, you have to negotiate a better deal for yourself. Every firing is negotiable. That's the theme. And by the way... I recommend to our listeners never resign from a job. A lot of companies will say, hey, Catherine, we're going to lay you off, but you can resign if you want. That's a trap because companies want you to take the bait and resign knowing that then you won't be able to file for unemployment, which the company has to pay for, you know, the rates. And second of all, if you're close to a vested pension, profit-sharing plan, stock options, more severance, notice pay, or a better COBRA uh, you know, uh, package, 
you're walking away from that because the minute you resign, you, you lose your rights. You lose your claim to that commission that we talked about. So never resign from a job. Say to the company, no, no, you can fire me. It's okay. And then let's just agree in my cover story that I can tell the world that I resign. You won't mind, right? And they'll say no, and, but at least you're getting unemployment. So never resign from a job if you can help it. Some of the things that I do is clients who are really sick and they can't stand the job anymore. They line up a new job. Then they hire me. I negotiate with HR and I say, my client's not really happy here. Um, she's been there for 20 years. Let's work out a package, not knowing that she's basically lined up a new job. The company will then negotiate with me, put it in writing. I'll get a client a severance package. The client will sign it and then go and work for a new company as well. Uh, I hope that doesn't sound too mercenary, but, you know, I'm on the side of the individual. That's why they call me the employee's lawyer. So for me, uh, all's fair in love and war, especially on the job. Okay, so all's fair in love and war. What about companies uh, that uh, are there some companies? I don't know that you necessarily can name them, but companies that are more on the side of employees and that there are others that are maybe even a 180 from that? Very interesting question. Um, there are certain industries where companies are very, uh, you know, promotional um, aware, and they want to do the right thing in advertising, uh, in in uh, healthcare. Uh, I do very well with hospitals who are laying off clients um, because they don't want to create bad karma or or poor, uh, uh, you know, references about the company themselves. So there are certain companies that will do the right thing, will step up, uh, will try to give someone a month per year of severance, will give you, if you worked almost a full year and you were expecting a $50,000 bonus, especially when I get involved, will give me that bonus because they know that but for the firing, the client would have gotten the bonus, or they'll give me a pro rata portion of it. But they'll do the right thing, and they will make people... Uh, not throw them on the street and have a problem paying their mortgages when they're fired, but they'll give them a couple of months of medical, they'll take care of them, and there are many companies, like you said, that uh, that do that. Uh, these big corporations versus small businesses and, uh, you know, the same policies in, in either one of those companies, different companies? That all depends on the owner. There yeah. are some, you know, very generous, fair-minded owners of small businesses that, uh, but n- normally those companies don't have the economic wherewithal that the larger companies do to offer significant severance packages. So I find that I prefer representing someone who's going against like an S&P 500 company who asking for another fifty or $100,000 is a drop in the bucket. And especially if you're entitled to it or you deserve it or you earned it, um, the odds are better that I'll get that for you than uh, a better deal than if I'm calling on a very small family-owned business where every dollar of revenue is, you know, very important. I'm curious about, and we don't have that much time left, but this is one of the topics I was interested in, the whistleblower retaliation, because that's a kind of a category in and of itself. It is, and it's a very significant. And in New York, as an example, if you complain about a safety violation that affects the public at large, um, you can't be fired in retaliation. And there are a lot of publicly held companies that are protected uh, if you complain about financial irregularities under Sarbanes-Oxley and other federal and state laws. Uh, you are protected. Some of them even award bounties 
the IRS does for uh, complaining about um, financial irregularities. But other states don't give you the protection. So you really have to know the law in your state before you're ready to speak out and complain about some financial irregularity. Uh, when it comes to safety, you could always contact OSHA, which is the Occupational Safe and Healthy Administration, Health Administration, and try to get them to intercede or investigate a violation. If you're a union member, you certainly should speak to your delegate to have them uh, come back and uh, investigate any workplace irregularity, certainly when it comes to uh, safety. Okay. So we only have a couple minutes left, so I guess before you do anything, read Stephen's book, Fired. Protect your rights and fight back if you're terminated, laid off, downsized, restructured, forced to resign, or quit. Stephen Mitchell-Sack is the author and the attorney, uh, has had lots of experience getting, what, 40, over 41 years. So, uh, Stephen, give us website and or websites to go to for more information about purchasing you, your book. Yeah. So, so first of all, if people want to speak to me, and I mean this quite sincerely, I don't charge. I'll, I'll answer your questions briefly. I, you know, I... I get dozens of calls a day, and it's, I give back. So if people want to call me, if they have a quick question, 917-371-8000. It's 917-371-8000. If they want to send me an email, they can do so. It's Stephen Sack, A-T-T-Y, at Hotmail.com, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-A-C-K, A-T-T-Y, at Hotmail.com. If they want to learn more about me, they can go to my webpage, which is stevensack.com or theemployeeslawyer.com. And if they can't find the book in a bookstore or with a distributor, they can order it. Go to uh, www.legalstratpub.com. Legalstratpub.com. Again, people want to call me, 917-371-8000. I will pick up the phone. I truly will answer your question. Uh, no charge, and uh, just because I you know, enjoy giving back to the American public. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Stephen. Great work. Catherine, you too. Uh, questions were great. I'm so appreciative that you had me on. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 